Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Here, will you grab that, Chris, the bottom part, and I'll grab that and just kind of put it right over there a little bit. Yes, this, perfect, a fruit tree. I like that. Uh, Welcome. Apparently, um, they didn't believe me last week that we're open between Easter and Christmas. I don't know what the heck, really, you know, it's like, boom, we had no seats, no donuts last week, now all of a sudden, welcome. I'm so glad you're here, excited that you're you're here with us. How was everybody's Easter? Good? Everybody have a good one? I was, uh, uh, we had a great family Easter, all the kids there, so it was a blessing. Where are they today, though? Where are your kids today on your birthday? Huh. Oh, soccer. All of them play soccer, huh? Okay. Excellent. Our fruit tree is, at, like, if you haven't been with us, we're in this series, uh, and, and it has to do with our fruit tree, but first, um, just reminder who we are. I think it's good to remind every once in a while we're all about learning to love and live like Jesus, which is up, in, and out. We believe our relationship with God is primary, and then after that is our relationship with one another and what we do within the church, and then there's sharing our grace story, which is is critical, um, people experiencing your life and what Jesus has done in, done in your life. So we are, okay, am I, back? Am I in control? Perfect. Thank you. Church and culture. One of the things that, that we've been doing is kind of bringing some things. We want to, uh, what does that look like, church and culture together? And I got this quote from Charles Spurgeon that says this, discernment is not just knowing the difference between right and wrong. Often it's knowing the difference between right and almost right. Okay, there, there's a big distinction there, big distinction, which is going to lead into what we're talking about today, which is this. Bonhoeffer says this. Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. See, see the two connection, right and 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 almost right. Uh, I think in in many ways we the church we almost have it right, and then we read something like that, or we read the Gospels, and we see what um, what discipleship and Christianity is really about. We are finishing the series called "Who's Eating Your Fruit." Who's eating your fruit? Last week was Resurrection Sunday, and the direct uh, 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 reflection or the direct process that comes out of that resurrected Christ is this discipleship in our lives as believers. And this last one of who's eating your fruit, who's eating the fruit of discipleship? Again, this unique tree that produces bananas, grapes, and apples. You can't find it in many most places, but if you ask, I can help you out with that later. Um, we've been talking about um, who's eating your fruit, because Jesus says this to us in John 15. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go bear fruit. The Christian life has to do with bearing something, not just a declaration of who you are. And then he says this, fruit that will last and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. These things I command you, 
so that you will love one another. There's three questions that we've asked over the last five, six weeks, and it's this. Who's eating your fruit? And what we've determined is this, that someone, everyone around is eating fruit, and someone is eating your fruit, the fruit off your life in particular. What are they eating? Or where are they eating? Everywhere you go, at your job, where you play, where you get your coffee, where you go to soccer, where you do all of these things. People are constantly eating fruit off of your life. The question is, what are they eating? Are they eating fruit that is sweet, that, is, that, that looks good, that is, that is life-giving, that has nutrients, or are they eating rotten fruit off your life? What are they snacking on when they eat off of your life? But do not be deceived. People are eating off of your life. They're eating off of your life. Why do we bear fruit? This is what we said, so that you will love one another. The fruit that you bear is fruit that people eat so that they will encounter Jesus, the love of Jesus. The fruit that you bear, the fruit that comes forth in your life, is as you, as you work with others, you serve others, as you love others well. It's what people eat. And so that you will love one another, the fruit will go forth. And that's what Jesus calls us to as Christians, as believers. The fruit of the resurrection is discipleship. The fruit of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection is disciple. That disciples would come forth. And we see this in Matthew 28. Tim Keller says this, discipleship is not an option. Jesus says that if anyone would come after me, he must follow me. Let's read our scripture in Matthew 28 this morning. It's a, it's a well-known scripture. You've all read it. You've all heard it if you've been around the church long enough. And it says this in Matthew 28. Now, the, the picture is this. Jesus had died, was buried, and resurrected, and and there's a period of time that he showed himself to the 500 and he showed himself to the disciples. And, and this is right before he ascends into heaven at the right hand of the Father. And he's speaking to the disciples. So the context is really important here. And he's talking to the disciples and he says this. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time this morning. God, for these men and women. Lord, for your son who died and was buried and resurrected, that we might have life. Lord, as we celebrated last week in Easter, Lord God, I, I pray that the fruit of our lives would be disciples. God, that we would represent you. Lord, that the church would look like you, Father. That others might have hope. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. I grew up in the church. My, my, you, mom and dad, dad's in a golf tournament. So when you see him next week, just say, oh, Jesus or golf? Which one is it, dad? Come on. So give him a bad, make sure you give him a bad time. But I grew up in the church and, and, and knew Jesus from a young age and, 
And it was uh, my parents, my mom early on, then my dad when he got saved, always took me to church. But I had no idea what discipleship meant. And I didn't understand what lordship meant, that Jesus was not just my savior, but he was actually lord of my life. And it wasn't until I was 25, and I've told this story a million times, so if you've heard it before, just bear with me, shake your head and act like you've never heard it before. Um, and at 25, I have an encounter with a, a pastor. And, and for me as an athlete, you know, I had the verse on the back of my helmet, you know, and I'd always say the right things in the very few interviews that I get, did get to do, you know, and, and talk, oh, thank Jesus, you know, I, I won, I beat Montreal today, you know, that, that, that kind of stuff, you know, that athletes do. But I didn't understand really the lordship or submission to Jesus. I'd never been discipled. And it wasn't until a man named Greg Ball, who was a pastor, came into my life and I got to know him. And he looked at me and he said, man, he said, here's the deal. He said, if you want to live the life you're living, because he got to know me and saw some inconsistencies in my life, um, met some girlfriends and some buddies that I was drinking with and, and said, look, if you want to be a Christian, um, Stop telling people you're a Christian because you're giving us a bad name. He's like, go do what you want to do. Just don't put it on the back of your helmet. Just don't, you know, go speak at the youth meetings and tell them what a great Christian you are. He said, but then he said this, but if you really want to know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, he said, I am willing to disciple you. I thought, that's interesting. And the first thing I said was, you forget you, I'm good. I'm a professional hockey player. Pride. And after a couple of days, I was, I was thinking about it, and it just, ah, the Holy Spirit pulling on me, and I called him. He lived in Austin, Texas, and he'd fly and meet with athletes. And uh, he started to disciple me and meet with me on the phone every week. He would come out and fly out and meet with me on a regular basis, and it changed my life. I'm here today because God spoke to this man about discipling me. I am preaching the gospel today. Um, it, you know, the, the, the sanctification, the process of becoming, and, and my mom sowed the seed, but this man came in and, and grabbed a hold of me and taught me what it really meant to be a Christian, what it looked like to walk in the obedience, what it meant, and, 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 and what discipleship looked like. And I'm here today because of that. Discipleship is not something that we, eh, maybe, maybe not. It's what God has called us to. It's what God has called you to do when you come into this relationship with Jesus with others. That's what Jesus is saying here. It's, it's interesting because it, it's, it's not a suggestion. Jesus does go, eh, if you want a disciple this week, disciple. If you don't want a disciple this week, don't. No, it's a mandate that he gives us as believers. He gives us a mandate. Not only is it a mandate, but it's his last words. When you look at mandate, it's an official order, commission to do something. Jesus is mandating discipleship. Yet in the church, we just, just happy if you show up once in a while, twice a month, really. He says this, and this is the mandate. Go. He says, get out of these seats. Get out of this place that you think is the church. It's not the church. It's a part of the church. Get out of these seats. Go and make disciples. Baptizing them. Name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey. I am with you always to the end of this age. It's a mandate that God has called each of us to walk under. Now, the, 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 along with this being the mandate, it's his last words. And, and last words are, are powerful. I will never forget 
laying with my mom, and she's dying. And the last words that I heard her speak were, I'm not afraid. I'm going home. Powerful. It just sits with you. And Jesus, and the last thing he says to all these disciples, he doesn't say, go to church. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, read your Bible more. He doesn't say, give more. He doesn't say, feed the homeless. He says, go make disciples. Go make disciples. Yet the church is about going to church more. About feeding the homeless. All good things. Go to church. We need to feed the homeless. But it's that heart of a disciple that changes the world. Jesus knew that. So he says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. The mandate, whatever God is doing in this world, he is primarily doing or going to do through his people, his disciples, through you and I. Too many times we come to church and we look and go, God, what God is going to do, he's going to go do through you, the pastor. What God is doing, he's going to do through the musicians or or the birthday girl, whatever. What God is going to do, he's going to do through the professionals. And that's not the case. That's not true. He's doing it through the church. And you are the church. His people. Disciples. I love this quote from Billy Graham. He said, salvation is free. But discipleship costs everything we have. Salvation is free. Saved by grace through faith that no man should boast. There's nothing you can do to earn salvation. But when I step into this relationship, he asked for my life. He gave nothing less. How can I not? In the Western church, we preached a, a, a forgiveness-only gospel, unfortunately. We, we've, we've preached this gospel of, of just run up front and God will forgive you and and, and life will be good, and you don't have to worry about guilt, and you don't have to worry about shame, and you don't have to worry about anything. Just, man, you're forgiving. But what, here's the problem. There's these un, uh, uh, unintended consequences that go when we only preach a portion of the gospel. There are unintended consequences when, when we, don't, we don't preach the fullness of God's word. And what are the unintended consequences? No disciples. We have churches filled with people. That have never been discipled. We have churches filled with people that have never discipled someone. We have churches with thousands of people that come and go, that don't understand, that, that, that looked a lot like me and look a lot like me before I understood this whole thing called discipleship. It's a mandate, this whole thing, what Jesus calls us to. We like the ticket to heaven Christianity. We, we love that, okay, security, not going to burn in hell stuff. That's good. And it is. I don't want to burn in hell. I don't want to be separated from God. Kind of funny, not funny, but I'm not getting a lot here, so we'll just go with it. We, we, we like the, the, I got my ticket, I'm secure, I die today, I'm going right to that place. But, but the, the discipleship, you, you want my, my life? And this man, Greg, um, you know, started to minister to me and, and disciple me. <laughs> and the first thing he did was he, he called me out on my relationships. Singular, relationships. Well, plurals, relationships. 
He said, and, and he said, do you think that this is glorifying God? Your, your dating habits. You knew about that, right, Chris? Okay, good. Did, did, she knew, we've had these conversations. <laughs> he, said, he said, do you think that anybody's fooled by your foolishness? Do you really think they, they don't see it? Do you really think that, that you're getting away with it? And, and you know, in our minds, we, we don't think people see it. We don't think people are observant. We don't think that they're actually eating the fruit that they're eating. But they are. And I like my ticket to heaven. I like knowing that I wasn't going to hell. But, but I, I didn't really want to die. Who wants to die? See, but what I didn't understand is this. I didn't fully understand Easter or the resurrection. See, but because before you can be resurrected, there has to be a death. And, and, and what Jesus wanted in my life is to die so that he might resurrect it. What I do too many times is I'm holding on, I'm grasping. I'm just holding on to my things, my life, what I want, as opposed to dying to them and allowing God to resurrect it. See, when, when I control trouble, when I allow God to do what he's doing, he resurrects. Ticket to heaven, discipleship of Jesus. See, the ticket to heaven Christianity scares the hell out of me. Because Matthew 7 says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, what day? James says this, it is appointed for every man to stand judgment. That each one of us will stand before God and give an account for our lives. He says, on that day... Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do my, uh, many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That scripture, to me, is one of the scariest scriptures in, or uh, the, the passages in all scripture. Now, I don't know where you land. You know, there, there's theological differences in, 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 in what this means. Were you really ever saved? Can you lose your salvation? I, I don't care about all that stuff. What I care about is this. And I've, let me qualify because I've, people have literally walked away from this church because I've made that same statement before. I don't care about all that stuff. And, you know, I care about it. But here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to stand on a stage with someone or at, at a coffee with someone and debate this this issue of once saved, always saved, because here's what I know. It says in Acts 2.36, and I'm going off on a tangent, sorry, but stay with me. Acts 2.36, this Jesus whom you crucified as Lord and Savior, what does that mean? If I treat God as Lord of my life, there's no chance I'm going to spend eternity in hell. You know why? Because I am submitted to who he is. So whether it's true that once saved, always saved, or true that you can lose your salvation, I'm right here serving God as Lord of my life, it's irrelevant. I, I, I'm trying, and I'm serious, I've had people walk away because I'm going, don't, don't, don't focus on, on this issue, focus on Jesus. And that issue will take care of itself. It scares me. I don't want to be caught on the wrong side of this. David Platt said it this way. This is a powerful quote from David Platt. He's out, of, he's out of Atlanta, but he's written numerous books, and he's just 
incredible pastor. So the fruit of non-discipleship is great for scores of people in the church sitting comfortably right now under the banner of Christianity. But have never counted the cost of following Christ. Many, this is the part, many eternally deceived. It's supposed to be a fun message. <laughs> I can't stand up here and not preach a gospel where people could, could walk away and stand before God someday and, and, and they go, well, John didn't really tell me that. I, there's, there's a level of accountability. As a pastor, I walk it. I'm like, I, I don't want to be eternally deceived. I know that when you come into a relationship with Jesus, he changes your life. Not anything that I do, but Jesus changes your life. Saved by grace through faith that no man should boast. And as Billy Graham said, that, that is the free gift of salvation. But, but right after that, I encounter this Jesus that asked me to lay down my life. Not as much fun. Do you know what the fruit of it is? fruit of it is a marriage to a woman for 27 years by God's grace. The fruit of him telling me some 1993 that, you know, you don't really look a lot like Jesus. Your actions really aren't a lot like Jesus. The fruit of his discipleship in my life is, is this woman and the kids that you see that run around that come late to church. The fruit of, of discipleship is Jesus and others. The fruit of non-discipleship, what does that look like? Uh, I, I've got a friend, Dr. Ryan Cozy, and he's surveyed over 60,000 evangelicals uh, throughout the nation around three categories of presence, proclamation, and conversion. The presence is the, your presence in someone's life. Proclamation, the fact that you would speak of Jesus on any way, shape, or form. And conversion is that you've actually led someone to Jesus because these are the things that the Bible talks about that God has called us to. Now let me be very clear. It's the Holy Spirit that does the work, but there's an obedience issue that I have to walk in this as a disciple of Christ Jesus. Why is this important? Because when you're present with someone and you proclaim the gospel, conversion happens when the Holy Spirit moves, which means gospel saturation is taking place. My, my, my heart and, and what God has called me to is gospel saturation. That means in my neighborhood where I live, and I don't always do the best job, that means where we play sports with the families that we play sports with. That means where I work and what I do. There's, there's gospel saturation is a part of that. As God has called each one of you to do the same. The fruit of non-discipleship, presence, proclamation, conversion, equals the gospel. Here's what he found with, uh, with over, when he surveyed over 60,000 people. 42% of the people surveyed built no relationship with a lost person. In other words, they, they grabbed their holy huddle of Christians, which is good. You need to have a group of Christians that surround you. But that can't be your only groups of friends. 42% of people never built a relationship with someone who doesn't know Jesus. In other words, they have this encounter with Jesus, changes their life. They get saved and they get free, but they're not willing to take it to someone else. Proclamation, 43% never shared the gospel even once. 
I'm not talking about sitting up here with a Bible. I'm just talking about sharing the love of Jesus, maybe through your actions. Conversion. 73% of people surveyed have never led a person to Christ. Therefore, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. But let me tell you, today's the day of salvation. But today, God's stirring up hearts about what he's called us to. Oh, what just happened? The fruit of non-disciple. Why don't people disciple others? 9% too busy. That seemed low. I thought that'd be higher. 12% walk with Christ is not what it should be. Whose is? Seriously, whose really is? 28% felt that they lacked information to share. Didn't have enough of, the, of the, the word of God in them to share it with somebody. Well, let me tell you this. The Holy Spirit, like when I first met this guy, he knew nothing of the word, but he's sharing the word, and he doesn't even know where it's coming from. The Holy Spirit is speaking through him, and he doesn't even know what he's talking about. I'm like, oh, my gosh. 51% feared others. How would they react if I shared the gospel with them? See, the fruit of non-discipleship is gospel doesn't go forth. Gospel saturation doesn't take place. And here's where it gets hard because the heart of the Father, the heart of God is others. 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some count slowness, but is patient towards you. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. The heart of God is that your neighbor, that your co-worker, that your, your, your guy at the, the laundromat, that, that, that your people that you're The heart of God is that everyone would come to a place of repentance and know the creator of heaven and earth. The heart of God is one of love, that he, you would encounter this love, that you would encounter this peace, that others would encounter this Jesus that changed your life. The heart of God. Others. And somewhere along the line in the church, we think the heart of God is all about you. That's part of the story, but it's not the whole story. It's not the fullness of the gospel. Missio Dei is, is a term. It's, it's God is on mission. It's a Latin for God is on mission. God is constantly on mission, constantly moving. Whatever God is doing in this world, he is primarily going to do it through you, his people. When we say, okay, God, I'm going to die to myself. Here's what's interesting. So he's speaking to my life, Greg Ball, and he's, he's challenging me on, on things. And, and my thought process, well, this is going to make my game better. You know, I'm, I'm submitting to God now. I'm going to be an all-star. Didn't happen. Still sucked. But you know what? I, I, there was a new peace. There was a new purpose, a new, I could see differently. And all of a sudden, it wasn't just about this thing called hockey, and there's so much more. And all, all of a sudden, it became about others. And, and, and I remember distinctly one player that uh, was a Hall of Famer that I played with, and, and we'd, we'd fly private planes and, and sitting there, and, and the, you know, the story of Nicodemus in the night, you know, he came to Jesus when no one could see him, and you know, we're flying back from a game, and this guy just kind of sits down and, 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 and uh, starts asking questions. I'm like, this is crazy. And uh, I've since connected, reconnected with him, and, and hey, I'm just wanting to know I'm praying for you. Just 
and very thankful and very gracious. And God is on a mission, and he's using you and I. And, and this man grabbed a hold of my life and said, this isn't what, what it looks like. It looks like discipleship and poured his life into me so that I might pour my life into someone else. That someone else might pour their life into someone else and so on and so forth. See, God is on a mission. Romans 10, 15 says this. And how is anyone going to tell them unless someone is sent to do it? I'm sending you. Jesus is sending you. If you have a relationship with Jesus and you just got saved today, you know enough. See, because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. And God is calling us to preach the gospel. Not like this necessarily, but loving others well. Being kind. Serving. Forgiving. The gospel we live and teach determines the kind of disciple we are and the kind of disciples we make. Bill Hull. Bill Hull is, is a writer and one of my mentors and just a wonderful man of God. And all around discipleship, he, he works. And, but let's clearly define some terms just so we're all on the same page. It's good to define terms regularly so we know we're all at the same base. The gospel and discipleship. Let's look at the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news. The good news of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. When you say the gospel going forth, it's the good news of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. It's not just the good news of his resurrection. It's the good news that he went to the cross, died for my sins, was buried on the third day he rose again so that I might have life. The gospel is the good news that I have life because of what Jesus did for me. The good news is that Christ hung on a cross. We talked about it to, uh, last Friday, you know, that, that beautiful picture of Christ on the cross. The good news is that he did that so that I might have life. The good news is that I don't have to hang on the cross, that I don't have to pay the price because Jesus did. The good news of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection that's the gospel. What does the gospel do? The gospel brings hope in my life. The gospel brings hope that, that I have eternal salvation through Christ Jesus. It brings peace in the midst of all the things that are going on in your life, in the midst of the crazy that you may be experiencing, in the midst of the sickness that you might be dealing with, in the midst of the loss that you may have, have experienced with a loved one, in the midst of all those things, God's peace that surpasses all understanding is, is right there. It doesn't mean that it's not difficult, but there's a peace because here's what I know. I know that I'm only passing through this place. This isn't home. Paul says, I'm just passing through. He says, this body is just a tent. This too will come down. So there's a peace. The gospel is the hope and the peace of this salvation of the, that comes through the creator of heaven and earth. Jesus. That's the gospel. That's the We need to be, as Christians, we need to be just crystal clear on what the gospel is. The good news of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Number two, what is a disciple? A disciple is one. A disciple is one in the process of becoming, I love this, Dallas Willard. A disciple is one in the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. Becoming more like Christ. That's what disciples do. They, 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 we talked about closing the gap, that we all have gaps in our life and we're trying to close them. 
And, 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 and being more like Jesus is closing the gap of, of, of foolishness. It's closing the gap of, of lying. It's closing the gap of lust. It's closing the gap of hatred. It's closing, it's just being more like, sanctification is becoming more like Jesus. That's what disciples do. They move closer and closer to being more like Jesus. In fact, they said, what they said of the disciples is that they're little Christ. They look like Christ. That's what a disciple is. Let me give a couple of points to that. What does a disciple do? Who's a disciple? A disciple's a worshiper. A disciple's a worshiper. Few things will irritate our, our, our pluralistic society more than being an exclusive worshiper of Jesus. Oh, you want to throw people into the wokeness into a tailspin? Just talk about Jesus as I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Lots of people are cool with Jesus. Lots of people are good with Jesus, but not as Jesus as Lord. See, when, when we say this Jesus, whom you crucified, Acts 2.36, is both Lord and Savior, there, there's two things there. Lord means, okay, I am your servant. I, you are Lord of my life. You get to say what happens in this life. You are my Lord. So when you declare Lord, you're saying something about your life as much as you're saying something about his. And when you tell people in this world that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, they flip out. Oh, there's 50 ways ahead. Million ways to heaven. Someone's right and someone's wrong. You better figure out which one is. A, a disciple is a worshiper, John 9, 38. Here we go. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Here we go. Lord, and I believe. Can't, they're, they're not separated. In the church, we've separated Lord, and I believe. We have no problem with I believe. But we have a problem with Lord. See, I believe is followed by death, and that's not fun. I believe is followed by this, that God, I don't know much about my life. I think I do. But, but if you, God, are truly God, which I happen to believe he is, if you, God, are God, and you created all of this, and you're omniscient, you're all-knowing, omnipotent, all-powerful. You see beginning to end. And if it is true in Psalm 139 that says that you knew me before you even created me, that you set out my steps before one of them came to pass, that that's who you are, then when I say I believe, it's an understanding of who Jesus is, the creator of everything that I just said. And when I say I believe, I'm also saying, okay, dear God, you are Lord. God, I believe that you are who you say you are in this word. Therefore, I believe and I am going to make you Lord of my life instead of me. You know some of those things that you've been trying to figure out? You know some of those right turns and left turns that you made that just don't seem to work out for you? Have you ever thought maybe it's because you're not walking the fullness of what God's called you to? I can look back distinctly to, to, to mistakes that I've made and go, gosh, if I would have just listened to God, if I would have just stopped you know, instead of what we say in the church is, oh, that God, why would he smite me again? Smite me. I always want to say that word. That's such a great word. Why would he thou smite me again? You know, and, and we start blaming God for, for all this stuff in our life. And, and we fail to really look at our, in the mirror and, and go, well, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. He said, Lord, that's acknowledging who Jesus is. Lord, I believe. And then immediately what happened? He worshiped. 
See, because if you understand he is Lord and you say, I believe, then how do you not worship? How do you not fall on your face? Oh God, have mercy. Number two, a disciple is, is a servant. A disciple is a servant. A disciple of Jesus means to serve like Jesus. John 3:16, for God so loved, he gave, he gave, he gave. For God so loved, he gave. He gave everything. We complain about 10%. 3% of the church in America, 3%, Blackaby, according to Blackaby, 3% of the church gives 10% of what they earn. Jesus gave everything. I'll get quiet in here now. He's talking about giving. Never talk about it, so get over it. I should. He, he, for God so loved, he gave everything, all that he was, his life. What is he asking me to do? To give my life. It, it, it may not look like nails going through my hands, but sometimes it feels like it. Because I'm dying to my own will and what I want. I'm dying to my own selfish nature. I'm dying to my timetable. I'm dying to my foolishness. I'm dying to what I think I see. And I'm giving to others. Disciple is a servant. Disciple of Jesus means to serve like Jesus. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. You think about it, if the church in America today, which is actually on the decline, but even with on the decline, if the church in America today would, would truly believe Lord and believed and worshiped, what could we do in this nation? What could we change? You know why there are so many social programs in the government? I've talked about this before. It's because the church has abdicated a role and not stepped up with homeless, with 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 uh, children without parents, with you know, all these social issues. The church is the one who should be stepping up and, and giving and serving. Um, Rich has a, a store that he serves people in the city and, 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 and just, that's what God has called us to is others. A disciple is a servant. Number three, a disciple sent. Every time disciples are sent, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so, I am sending you. It was never meant to, to come into this little place and, and show up, here's my line, twice a month and, 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 and raise our hands and have a donut, have a cup of coffee. Hey, good to see you, Joey. Hey, good to see you, Chris. Hey, good to see you, whoever. And then walk out these doors, see you in two weeks. It was never meant to be that. It was meant to come together on a Sunday, celebrate together as a family, but it was meant to go, 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 be the church, be the hands, be the feet of Jesus, encounter others, love others well, be the hands and feet of Jesus, serve others, go, you're sent, you're sent out of this place. You don't sit in this place and rot, you get out of this place and you change lives through the power of the Holy Spirit, who God has called us to be, a disciple is sent. To be a disciple of Jesus means to, to point people to him. Point people to him. It's a life lived. And use words when necessary. I couldn't remember who said that. 
great theologian. If anybody knows it, yell it out. Who was it? Aquinas. Okay, great. I'll double check that for you. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's not about, you know, uh, being eloquent in speech. It's about loving others well and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak. But here's what I know. It's not about me. It's, it's just, it's so not about me. It's about me. It's just, just this, it starts with what God does in me and what God continually does in me. But, it, but that, that continual sanctification, becoming more like Jesus in me, has, has to do with out and, and others. And the, and the church is so focused on me. What about me? And what about God changing and giving me what I want? And God, why don't you do this for me? And God, why don't you heal me? And God, why don't you give me and me? And, and we miss the whole thing about, what about them? This, this man that, that spoke into my life and, and, and made a difference in my life, it, it wasn't about him. He had probably better things to do than deal with just prideful, dumb athletes. But, but he, he saw what God had called him to and, and was willing to look me in the eyes and, and call me out for who I was. And, and, and it changed my life. God sent him. God sent him. A disciple is sent. A disciple of Jesus makes, makes disciples of Jesus. What does that mean? You're not a disciple unless you're reproducing. And the people you're reproducing in reproduces in someone else. What, 2 Timothy 2.2. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others. There's four generations. What you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrusted to faithful men who will be able to teach others. Four generations. Doesn't stop with me. This gospel doesn't stop with me. It's got to go forth. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? It means to love God and love people. That's the essence. To love God and love people. And we say it. It's in our, you know, vision statement. But here's what I know. When I truly love God, can't help but love others. When I really love God, it, the outflow is others. Others. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. It's, it's my tattoo here because I couldn't remember it. So, But, you know, I'm not that smart, so I tattooed it this way, so I got to go like this. What the heck is that? It's unbelievable. Um, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your, your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends all the law of the prophets. Everything is wrapped up right here. Everything is, this is the foundation to our Christian faith. Right here. Bonhoeffer again. Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. There's no way around it. Here's my question. As the band comes up, here's my question to us. Am I a disciple of Jesus? Am I just holding on tight to my ticket to heaven? That just punch that ticket. Ah, you know, jeez, uh, maybe it'll work for you.
So where do I start? First place you start is repentance. God, forgive me. Forgive me for making this relationship all about me. Forgive me for, for just wanting to punch that ticket. Forgive me for just thinking about, oh, me, 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 me. God, forgive me. And then, then the next thing is you've got to raise your hand. You've you, you got to go, okay, what's the next steps? For next steps here, in, in the back of those chairs, there's giving envelopes. I'm not asking them an offering, although if you want to give an offering, give an offering. But if, if you, um, you want to know what discipleship looks like in the next steps of discipleship, grab that, write it on there, write your name, contact, and put it in one of those two offering boxes in the back. I dare you. And then the third one is submission. See, when I repent and go, God, forgive me, it, it can't be disconnected from, now what do you want, Jesus? It's easy to go, God, forgive me. Done it a million times. You know, Protestant Catholicism, I call it. Come to church on Sunday, ask forgiveness, and live it like hell through the rest of the week. Come back Sunday and start all over. You know, everybody goes, oh, that's what the Catholics do. That's what the Protestants do. Isn't a Catholic? They don't get the they don't get the corner of that market. I'm really good at that. But repentance is connected to a changed life. I can say to her, "Sorry, sorry, 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 sorry." But if it's disconnected from change, at some point she just goes, "Just shut up." Yeah, I don't believe you. And I'm afraid that. God has said to me and saying to some of you too many times, you know what, just shut up. I don't believe you. So as we get ready to receive communion, if, if you're going to repent from whatever, connect it to submission. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. Lord knows. What I'm saying is the two are not separate. Oh God, forgive me. It's yours. And here's what I find. Submission and lordship isn't a one-time thing. It's what I have to do every day. Because I want to take it back every day, every moment. So as, as we get ready to receive communion, before you repent, Take a moment and ask the question, God, I, I, I want to ask forgiveness and I, I want to submit it to you. And, and, and then place it at the cross. And then put yourself in a position to succeed. How do you do that? Ah, read his word. Yeah, Lord, I'm submitting this to you. And then I wake up tomorrow and I do the same thing I did last week, thinking I'm going to get different results. That's called insanity. Lord, I'm going to submit this to you. And then I go, okay, I'm going to read your word. God, I'm going to have a conversation with you each and every day. God, I'm going to worship you. Because when I said I believe, it's directly connected to lordship and worship. 
And God, I'm going to do this each and every day. Why? Because that's a relationship with the creator of heaven and earth. Not just coming here. That's not a relationship. It, 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 it's, gosh, I'm just going long today, aren't I? I roll. Sorry. We got another hour, so we're good. It, it, a relationship is, is about intimacy. intimacy. Intimacy comes when I, oh God, forgive me. Intimacy comes when I go to her and ask forgiveness. That's an intimate moment. Now, she has a chance to be intimate with me by saying, I forgive you, or in less than intimate by going, I don't forgive you. Well, God, when we forgive, ask forgiveness, he forgives us. But the intimacy in my life comes also with submitting that, whatever that is, to him. That's a relationship. That's what God wants for us. He wants relationship. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time this morning. God, for these men and women and all that you have for us, Father. God, I, just, I look in this crowd and I see your goodness. God, that we would truly be disciples of Christ Jesus. Lord, that we would submit our life to you, that you might live in and through us. We would love others well. God, that we would forgive, that we wouldn't be bitter, that we wouldn't be angry. God, we live in the peace and the joy Christ Jesus brings. Father, I thank you for your word. This time, in Jesus' name. Amen.